0: morning Calvary morning. I got good news we're starting a new series in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to journey through the Gospel of Luke with some interruption but all the way to Easter of 2023 I have planned your life for the next several months all right several years ago my wife Kristen and I thought we'd have a great we had, thought we had a great plan that we would unknown to the children, pack them up in the car after school, and take them for a long weekend at the Great Wolf Lodge. Now, if you've never been to the Great Wolf Lodge or don't know what it is, it's an overpriced hotel down in Colorado Springs (laughs) that robs you of all your money to provide happiness and joy to your children. And so, after school, they were in the car, and we started driving in that direction, and we were just talking about the day, what they'd been learning... And then somewhere around Denver, the children started asking, where are we going? They said, well, we thought it would be fun if we went down to the Great Wolf Lodge for the weekend. And they just erupted in enthusiasm, like, yes, water park inside a hotel, climbing walls, this is awesome. And then some of their enthusiasm died off. And they started asking, are you serious? I mean, mom, dad, are you joking with us? Because we've been known from time to time to pull their chain. (laughs) And they say, well, okay, if we're really going, where's our clothes? Where's our swimsuit? We said, look behind the last seat in the car. And so they climbed back there and they looked and said, there's our suitcase, there's our clothes. And one of the kids asked, did you pack my stuffy? The other one said, "Did did you grab my sleep mask? We said, we got your stuffy. We have your sleep mask. It's all here. And they're like, it's really happening. We're going to the Great Wolf Lodge. Have you ever received a text, saw a post, heard some news that was really good, and you thought, I so hope this is true. I so hope this is true. And I need some evidence to really believe it. Now for my kids, it's like, oh, I need evidence. Where's our clothes? Oh, well, there it is. But I need evidence. Like if we're really going, I would need my stuffy. It's there. I would need my sleep mask. It's there. It's really happening. It's true. See, we share good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we started off last week. The announcement of Christ's arrival is good news of great joy for all people. Scott up here, it's all about the resurrection. That Christ came, the Son of God came. He died the death that we deserve. That he rose to life. That he can really forgive sins. That he can really wash away shame. That he can really repair relationships. That he can restore this world. That there truly is life everlasting. And we say, I so hope... I so hope that's real. Prove it. Like, show me some evidence. I don't know about you. Maybe you're not yet a believer and you're just checking this out. Maybe you're someone who grew up in the Christian faith and now circumstances in life has brought you to a place where you're deconstructing what you believed for so long. Maybe just the challenges of life have really pressed your faith to its limits. And you're experiencing doubts. Maybe you're asking more questions than you've ever asked before. And you're asking yourself, Jesus, are you real? Is this real? If, If you're real, why is this happening? Show me. Prove it. If you're asking some of those questions, man, you're in good company. And I'm really excited that we will journey together through the gospel of Luke because Luke is writing to a gentleman named Theophilus who's asking that question. He's heard this news of Jesus, and he's asking, is it real? Prove it. And Luke's a great author to guide us through that question. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal is a physicist, theologian, Christian, He wrote this about Christianity. He said, make religion attractive. Make good men wish it were true. And then show that it is. Like create an appetite for what is possible with God. And then prove it. Show people. It's real. It does two things. It's worthy of reverence. Because it really understands human nature. It really understands what it means to be human to be a woman to be a man to navigate the realities of this life it's worthy in that sense and it's attractive because it promises true good not empty false promises but true good for us and so not only talk about jesus but show us why it's real That's what Luke's going to do. So grab your Bibles, whether you have it in print or digital form. And we're going to Luke chapter 1, verse 1 today. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 begins this way. In as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished amongst us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And so Luke opens up and he says, okay, there are many who have started writing an account of Jesus. An account is a historical narrative that follows the facts. Now, in first century... You would be lucky to get one biography about a Caesar that would be preserved historically. We have four, four historical documents of the life of Jesus, Luke being one of them. Luke says, everybody's writing about it. We have four that have remained in our scriptures, and Luke's one of them. And Luke's an interesting author because Luke wasn't one of the disciples that followed Jesus everywhere. Luke is someone who comes to faith later and begins an investigation. Luke is like an investigative journalist who's just coming onto the scene to do what we would want him to do, to investigate the facts of the case and bring a verdict. And so this Luke, who is actually a traveling companion of Paul, writes two books in the Bible. He writes the Gospel of Luke. This is all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And he writes another volume, he's a two volume author, Acts, which is all that Jesus continued to do through the apostles and the birth of the church after the resurrection, after 500 witnesses have seen them. And so you have two historical documents in which an investigative journalist goes in and talks to eyewitnesses that were there, that saw the events, and records them as they happened. Luke was a companion of the apostle Paul on many of his missionary journeys. Here's two examples of, of where he shows up in Paul's letters. In Colossians chapter 4, this is the final, kind of like that benediction. In chapter 4, verse 14, in conclusion, we just see a note written that Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does this gentleman named Demas. Now, there's this Luke who's a physician, a doctor, and we're going to see that his mind, like a physician highlights so many things about Jesus being the master physician. Of Jesus' bedside manner, his compassion for those who are in suffering and grief. His attention to detail will be like that of a physician for us. As a companion with Paul, he's the one that gets to travel around and investigate many of these things. In fact, he becomes such a dear companion of Paul that he highlights him in his last letter before his death. As he writes to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, this is chapter 4, verse 9. It says, do your best to come to me as soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas was with him, and Demas has departed. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Luke's with him the whole time. He's a great Author to put an account together for us. And so he writes to this man named Theophilus. Now, some think Theophilus is just a title for a generic people because his name means lover of God. But I would I would disagree and, and side with other scholars and theologians that still see Theophilus as a historical individual, in part because he has the title, Most Excellent Theophilus. This is also used in Acts chapter 24 where Luke is recording an event that happened before a governor, Felix. And there he's given the same title, Most Excellent Felix. So Theophilus is probably a lover of God, who wants to investigate the claims of God, so that he can have certainty of faith. But the invitation truly is for anyone in this room, for those who love God, who love Him, and want to know more of Him, To have the certainty and confidence of faith in him. This book is written to you. That you might have certainty that the things that you have been taught are true. And so Luke has two volumes written to the same individual about the story of Jesus. That we get to look at and investigate. This good news and see if it's really true. And he does this in a way. He says, I'm going to do it from the beginning. Connecting with eyewitnesses. And I'm going to make an orderly account. Luke is the most chronological of all the four Gospels. Luke accounts for some details that the other Gospel writers don't have, specifically from the beginning, his birth narrative. If you were to look up the Christmas narrative that you're familiar with, it's probably the one from the Gospel of Luke. And he does this in an orderly way. He wants to situate Jesus within history. He wants to situate Jesus within His Jewish roots, the promise of a Messiah to come, how it happened, and where did it happen? And so he gives all these details of who was in charge, when were they in charge, where were they in charge, so that you can situate the historical Jesus. Check this out. Chapter 1, verse 5, just the next verse. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. So there's a couple names, a couple regions. At a certain time. Check out chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, before he opens up any more narrative, he just continues to lay down these facts. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each in his hometown. There's another fact of who's in charge, where they're in charge, and when they're in charge. Check out chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetriarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetriarch of the region of Ituria and Traconitus and Licinius tetriarch of Abilene. During the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah. Look at all those names, places, timeline. Do you know why Luke's doing that? It's because he's a historical Author recording the events as they happened so that you can go back and look at them. See, so the ancient writers didn't have footnotes. And so if you're asking, like, where'd you hear that? He's like, well, this is who I heard it from. This is when it happened, where it happened. Go talk to them. It's showing the sources. This is a historical narrative, a biography that invites you to come and investigate. This is not legend. Legend starts this way a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) That's how legend starts. Just all ambiguous, mystery, who knows? That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is historical facts and evidences in specific times and places. If I wanted to preserve a story from today's history, it would be something like this. I'd say, okay, in the second year of the Biden-Harris administration, in the 117th Congress... When Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House and Governor Jared Polis was Governor of Colorado and Thomas Milburn was pastoring a church in Erie, Colorado, a mandate went out. And then history gets to say, were all those people in charge at that time during these events? I hope it's true. Prove it. That's what Luke is doing so that we can have the certainty of the things we have been taught are true. That's what he's doing. And he does it from the beginning with eyewitnesses. When we look at the Gospel of Luke, it's so fun. It's almost as like Luke is just sitting down with these people and getting information, the backstory that only he could know if he talked to the person that was there. So from the beginning, he starts with Jesus' birth. He starts with the birth announcement and the gender reveal party. It's amazing. So he opens up and the angel Gabriel says, you're going to have a baby. And it's going to be a son. And it's as though he's recording the story because he's talking to Mary. I can't prove that. But it says, oh, Luke is sitting there. And he says, tell me the story. How did this happen? And she's telling the story. And he's like, that's crazy. What did you think? What, what What was your response? And Mary just sits back. She said, you know what I just said? My soul magnifies my Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, that he would look at the humble estate of his servant. I'm trying to soak it in, Luke. I'm trying to soak it in. I just said, to think about all the generations, they're going to call me blessed. That's the song of Mary. How does Luke know that? He's always talking to her. He's okay. Well, then what happened? How, how did he come about? Did, did you get the crib ready? Did you get the room? Did you get his name on the wall? She says, no, it was annoying. This, this guy named Caesar, he like proclaims a registration. And nine months pregnant, I got to go back to Bethlehem. Oh, wow. And he writes that down. What was that like? Well, then we had to have Jesus in a stable. And then there were like angels that showed up. And then there were like magi that showed up later. And it was wild. I just kept considering these things in my heart. He's just writing it down. Luke's the only gospel that accounts for parts of Jesus' young childhood. So you can just imagine, maybe around the dinner table. I don't know. He's like, tell me a story about Jesus as a kid. And like Jesus' brother's like, well, they lost Jesus one time. They're like, what? Oh, man, tell me about that. That's awesome. When did you lose Jesus? Well, we were in Jerusalem, and we were hanging out, and then we left Jerusalem. And I just figured he was with the Goldsteins, but then he wasn't. And then we're hanging out at dinner, and I'm like, Joseph, have you seen Jesus? And they're like, no, not really. And so then we had a journey all the way back, and it was crazy, which goes to show that Jesus couldn't be born to a middle-class family in Erie with helicopter parents (laughs) who are like, Jesus, over here. No, Jesus, don't drink that. Don't eat that. Don't put that pacifier back in your mouth. I mean, like Mary and Joseph give so much freedom to Jesus that he's not known to be gone for a couple days. Just think about that as a parent. (laughs) All right? Put that in your parenting handbook. So then there's there's Luke probably like, did you find him? Oh, we found him. What would you say to him? Oh, we just laid into him. And Joseph just walked up to him and he's like, how inconsiderate. You don't think about the distress this has caused your mother. That's Luke chapter 2. You should read it. How did Jesus respond? You know, he he told us, you should have expected to find me in my father's house. But then he got up. And he submitted himself to us and came home. He honored his mother and father. That's why we, we have the bumper sticker on the back of the, the donkey that says, our kid is the honor student, hashtag son of God, you know. <laughs> Not all those details are in Luke chapter 2. But that's the flavor of what you're getting. Is Luke sitting down with eyewitnesses and telling me, telling, asking them, tell me, how did this happen? what the air smell like what people say how they respond what were you thinking and it's just this historical account of all that Jesus did so that you would have the certainty to believe that what you've heard is true that's what he's doing And he does it so that we would have this confidence. That's what certainty is. We would have a confidence about our faith. Think about your life right now. Where do you wish you experienced more confidence that your faith was real? That Jesus was real? That he's really going to care for you? That he's really going to be there for you? That he's really going to provide for you? That he he really has it? He's got you? You're not alone. It's not falling apart. Because, see, certainty breeds confidence, which begins to remove the fear and the anxiety and the hesitancy from our life. Right now, I just see people run all around going, can you believe it? The world, the world, the country. And you just say, get around Jesus. Get around Jesus. He will shore your life up to remind you who he is who you are, and where this whole thing is going. To have the certainty and confidence, what it gives us in our life is the ability to make plans. You can make plans when you're confident about things. Confidence that comes from certainty allows you to be motivated for life, to be inspired to live, to have purpose and meaning. That's what certainty breeds. So let me ask this question again. Where do you wish parts of your faith were a bit more confident? And then to bring that on the journey with us. Will you, will you journey with us this fall? I know you've got so many things going on in your calendar. You have so many blessings in your life that you've got to tend to. I get it. I do too. But would you set aside time to be here on Sunday? Whether you're deconstructing your faith, you're doubting, you're discouraged to say, I'm going to come along the life of Jesus with the evidence that Luke presents so that my faith would be built up a little bit more. You see, the story of Jesus is even that he progressed as a human being. Luke 2.52 tells us Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. That's to highlight that Jesus is really human. He lives your real life. He did. It doesn't diminish his divinity, but it truly shows that he was human. And as he progressed in the faith, let us progress in the faith. Let us progress in our understanding of who God is. He had it perfectly and lived more and more into it. Let us progress into it. This fall, yeah, we're having Lee Strobel. He's just kind of part of gathering the community around and bolstering our faith. Lee Strobel is kind of a modern day Luke, Lee was an atheist. He was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, as the story goes. And you'll probably hear when we hang out with him that his wife became a Christian. And he thought, that's so stupid. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use all my skills, my background in journalism and law, and I'm going to disprove Christianity. So she'll leave this thing alone. And after his investigation, with all the evidence on the table, Lee says, it would take more faith, take more faith to remain an atheist and become a Christian. He's a modern-day Luke that says, I kind of hope this is real. Someone's just got to prove it to me. And authors like Luke, moderns like Lee help us see how true this story is and how we can have the certainty and confidence of faith. Here's what we're asking you to do this, this, this series. It's not a market up where we're going verse by verse this time. We're going to go chapter by chapter. It's going to be very episodic. So each week we're going to come in with a new chapter we're going to choose one of the episodes to preach on. My encouragement to you is that you would read the chapter that we're preaching on that week. So you'd be prepared to hear one of the episodes, but you'd know more about the story from your own personal reading. Just a heads up, we're going to skip the birth narrative and leave that uh, story for December. We're going to be around that, around Christmas time. And so we're actually going to start in chapter 3 next week, so if you want to pick that up. I just encourage you, would you open your Bibles every single week, read the chapter that we're going to be in, and then come eager and hungry to see the evidence that Luke lays out so that your faith would grow, your confidence would grow in Jesus Christ. Because I think I'm just like my little kids, honestly. It's like, this is awesome! I hope it's true. Can you show me that it's true? And Luke says, come check it out. Let's pray. In fact, why don't you guys all, let's all stand. We're going to conclude our service right here. Let's, let's stand together and just surrender this series to the Lord. Surrender our life to the Lord and ask him to, to be our teacher. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. There are many Theophiluses in the room, lovers of God, who have heard your story. And want to know with certainty that it's true. And so Lord, I pray that you would awaken appetite. That you would awaken an eagerness to be around the gospel of Luke. Father, I pray that you would meet each one of us individually and speak to us to bolster our confidence. To shape us in the like of our likeness of our Savior Jesus Christ. And then Father, as a community, may we have the confidence to say Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. And so, Lord, I just pray a commissioning over us as a church as we surrender this series, our lives, our fall to you, that you would have your way with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.